Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. I pray that you're doing well. It's a very, very special day today, and many people don't even know, even many Catholics don't know, it is a first-class feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, that heart which um, uh, our Lord said to St. Margaret Mary, so loved the world and is so little loved in return. And you know, here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We have, we have it all. We have, because we're Benedictine, we have St. Gertrude the Great, who's Benedictine, and um, our Lord appeared to St. Gertrude the Great on the Feast of St. John the Baptist, almost a thousand years before he appeared to St. Margaret Mary in the 17th century. And he told her that he wanted her to spread devotion to the Sacred Heart. We think of St. Margaret Mary, we don't all know about St. Gertrude, who was the first, <clears throat> St. John Eudes as well. Um, and St. Gertrude said to him, but Lord, if it's so important, uh, why wasn't in Scripture the Feast of the Sacred Heart? And our Lord said, because there, was a, there would become a time when the world would need it more. And why did he come to St. Gertrude on the Feast of St. John the Baptist, or rather, uh, St. John the Evangelist, the beloved St. John. Um, And it's because he's the one that leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He never called himself by name. He called himself the beloved. He was so thrilled that he was loved by God. That's all he called himself ever, the beloved. And then later, our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary again, also on the feast of St. John the Evangelist, and asked her to spread devotion to the Sacred Heart. It is the number one devotion of the church. I had a priest ask me once, he said, even more than the rosary? I said, but of course, of course, of course. That is the heart that was pierced for us. There's no greater devotion outside of the Mass itself um, than devotion to that heart that so loved the world, that died for us, that rose from the dead to give us life. So today, in our office reading for this morning, There's an encyclical of uh, Pope Pius XI, and I'm going to read just the selected readings for this morning's um, matins for you. Um, it begins, Among the wonderful developments of sacred teaching and piety by which the plans of the divine wisdom are daily made clear to the Church, hardly any is more manifest than the triumphant progress made by the devotion of the most sacred heart of Jesus. When I said to you we had all, it's because we're Benedictine, but we have St. Benedict and St. Francis de Sales as our patron. And I'm so sorry to not say that St. Margaret Mary was a daughter of St. Francis de Sales. He also appeared to her, and she became a nun of the Visitation Order, which is where I took my novitiate. So between St. Benedict with St. Gertrude the Great, 
and St. Francis de Sales with St. Margaret Mary. We've had this, the devotion to the Sacred Heart is a very major de- devotion. This is a very major feast for us. And we had, on the Feast of the Sacred Heart several years ago, Bishop Slattery was here and consecrated our entire priory to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So just a little tidbit for you to know. <clears throat> now, um, very often indeed, during the course of past ages, fathers, doctors, and saints have celebrated our Redeemer's love, and they have said that the wound opened in the side of Christ was the hidden fountain of all graces. Moreover, from Middle Ages onward, when the faithful began to show more tender piety toward the most sacred humanity of the Savior, contemplative souls became accustomed to penetrate um, through that wound almost to the very heart itself, wounded for the love of men. And from that time, this form of contemplation became so familiar to all persons of saintly life that there was no country or religious order in which during this period witnesses um, hold on witnesses to it were not to be found finally during recent centuries and most especially at that period when heretics in the name of a false piety strove to discourage Christians from receiving the most holy Eucharist the veneration of the most sacred heart began to be openly practiced principally through the uh, exertions of St. John Eudes, who is by no means unworthy, unworthily called the founder of the liturgical worship of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Mary. You see, beloved, this is a devotion we need to return today in great, 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 great measure because we are being discouraged from receiving the Eucharist by means of the heresy spreading within the church today like wildfire. It's amazing. It's amazing. If people can be, can be uh, divorced in so-called irregular marriages, there's no, there's no such thing as an irregular marriage. There's such a thing as living in sin and adultery. Uh, <clears throat> if pe- people can be welcome to the Eucharist when they're living in a form of adultery, um, uh, when they are um, encouraged to, when spouses of non-Catholics are allowed to receive the Eucharist, um, what else? All kinds of things. Um, there are Eucharistic ministers while priests are sitting. It, 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 we have degraded our Lord we have brought the Eucharist to what is mundane, simply to be distributed, taken out of habit, taken out of care that a person's feelings might be hurt. People come up for blessings during the Eucharist. It's not the time for blessings. It's a time to bow before our Lord and receive the God of the universe. So this is also a time when devotion to the the Eucharist, understanding that the Eucharist is God and we need to bow before him. Um, uh, 
this is such a time when we need to bring back devotion to the Sacred Heart. Pope Pius XI goes on. He says, but in order to establish fully and entirely the worship of the most sacred heart of Jesus and to spread the same throughout the whole world, God himself chose in his instrument a most humble, as his instrument, a most humble virgin from the order of the visitation, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who even in her earliest years already had a burning love for the sacrament of the Eucharist, and to whom Christ the Lord had, a, had very many times appeared and was pleased to make known the riches and the desires of his divine heart. The most famous of these apparitions was that in which Jesus revealed himself to her, to St. Margaret Mary, in prayer before, before the Blessed Sacrament, and showed his most sacred heart, showed her his most sacred heart, and um, complaining that in return for his unbounded love, he met with nothing but outrages and ingratitude from mankind. He ordered St. Margaret Mary to um, concern herself with the establishment of a new feast on the Friday after the octave of Corpus Christi, on which his heart should be venerated with that honor, with due honor, and that, I'm sorry, a little small print here, and that the insults offered him by sinners in the sacrament of love should be expiated by worthy satisfaction. But there is no one who knoweth not how many and how great were the obstacles which the handmaid of God experienced in carrying out the commands of Christ, but endowed with strength by the Lord himself and actively aided by her pious spiritual directors who exerted themselves with an almost unbelievable zeal up to the time of her death, she never ceased faithfully to carry out the duty entrusted to her by heaven. I've read the story of her life, um, St. Margaret Mary, published by Tan. And I tell you, there's one particular part in that book of what St. Margaret Mary did out of love for God that I can't even say because I can't imagine doing such a thing. I just can't imagine it. And I don't even want to repeat it. I guess you can read the book um, on St. Margaret Mary, published by Tan. But her whole life and every moment was given to God, and she could never sacrifice enough. She could never sacrifice enough out of love for him and devotion to his sacred heart. Pope Pius XI goes on, at length in the year 1765, the Supreme Pontiff Clement XIII Approved. Now, I don't know if this is still Pope Pius XI. This is a, a new section of reading for Matins this morning. And it says, at length, in the year 1765, the Supreme Pontiff Clement, yes, I think it is Pope Pius XI, the Supreme Pontiff Clement XIII 
approved the Mass and office in honor of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And Pius IX extended the feast to the universal church. From then on, the worship of the most sacred heart, um, like an overflowing river, washing away all obstacles, hath poured itself forth over all the earth. And at the dawn of the new century, Leo Thirteenth, having proclaimed a jubilee, decided to dedicate the whole human race to the most sacred heart. This consecration was exa- actually carried out with solemn rites in all the churches of the Catholic world and brought about a great increase of this devotion, leading not only nations, but even private families to it, who in countless numbers dedicated themselves to the divine heart and submitted themselves to its royal sway. Lastly, the sovereign pontiff, Pius XI, in order that by its solemnity the feast might answer more fully to the greatly widespread devotion of the Christian people, raised the feast of the most sacred heart of Jesus to the right of a double of the first class. I wish this were a day of obligation. I wish this was a day of holy obligation. And I, I, I sadly anticipate that if it were, uh, it would have been moved to Sunday, losing all meaning, at least in the, in the new Mass. Lastly, um, let me just say here now, um, it was raised to the right, R-I-T-E, of a double of the first class with an octave, and more so for the next eight days, we will be celebrating the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Let me see where I am. I lost my place. Okay, and moreover, that the violated rights of Christ, the Supreme King and Most Loving Lord, might be repaired. In reparation, we will celebrate that octave. And that the sins of the nations might be bewailed he, Pope Pius XI, ordered that annually on the same feast day there should be recited an expiatory expiatory form of prayer in all the churches of the world. Oh, beloved, 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 if only, if only, um, if only we live that today. If only we lived that today. What we've lost in our faith, what we've been robbed of, what has been taken of us by, to speak, uh, our shepherds catering to the sheep, that they shouldn't lose a day of work, that they come to Sunday anyway, that they're afraid most. And again, I'm in a Latin parish, and the, and the priest announced, even with, I remember, um, and other parishes I've been to, even Latin parish, that the Feast of Corpus Christi will be celebrated on Sunday with a procession on Sunday. It grieves me no end. It should not be. It should not be. Um, 
Why are we giving up what popes before have established? Why are we giving up our faith? Why are we giving up our witness to the world? We were at a parish in Madison, Wisconsin, where I spoke to you from um, earlier this week. Was it earlier this week? Where was I? Where were we? On the Feast of Corpus Christi. No, excuse me. No, we were here. We were here on the Feast of Corpus Christi. We were in Tulsa. Um, No procession, no witness to the world, no holy host Eucharist walking through the streets with a thousand people following. It, it is, it's, we've done, we've lost our sense of, of witness. We're catering to us and we are the richest people in the world and we should use every single opportunity to be witnesses to the world and show them who God is. It grieves me, beloved. It, we are out of time the world is getting bad. Every, I'm not even, my goodness, uh, I even watched the Democratic debate uh, on YouTube. I tell you, it, it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic what our world is coming to. It's a world of death. It's a world of death. Self-centeredness, no meaning, no purpose for being alive, no outreach to others. Um, and if you read the news in the church every day, you think when it cannot get worse, it gets worse. Every single day, it is shocking. I, you think, I don't, I'm shocked that I'm shocked. I figure I can't be shocked anymore, but I'm shocked that I'm shocked. It is, it is pure evil, and if the enemy, uh, Satan, has been trying to destroy God's people from Adam and Eve right through the Jewish nation, right through to the Catholic Church, which is the fulfillment of Judaism um, and the full measure of Christianity. The enemy has been trying from day one, and now he has our help. Now he has, the, the, the uh, Pope Paul VI said, the sm- smoke of Satan has entered the church, and it has, and now he's duped the church. Now the church is helping Satan to destroy the church. I forget who it was that said to Napoleon or someone, I forget, uh, who said he was going to destroy the church. And, and that gentleman said, if we haven't been able to destroy it from the inside, you're not going to be able to destroy it from the outside. But I think now we are going full force to destroy it from the inside. Our own shepherds are doing that. The magisterium are doing that. And I tell you, beloved, if we get discouraged, if we, if we give up, then there's no hope uh, for us or the church. We are the ones. It won't be the first time the laity have saved the church uh, from destruction. No, we are the ones. We have to live our faith. We have to encourage good holy priests, good holy bishops. We must encourage them. And we must Beg them to teach the faith and to speak out and to not worry about their reputation and staying safe, but to live the faith and to follow our Lord into suffering and even death if it takes it. But we must live our faith. St. Boniface, uh, Bishop St. Bonaventure um, said this in order, because the reading this morning 
was on the um, uh, the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, the reading from John 19. Um, it was the preparation for this for the Passover, and it was the um, uh, it was the day before the Sabbath, Friday, and Friday at sundown began their Sabbath. So they had to make sure that Christ was killed before the Sabbath um, so that they could celebrate their Passover. And so in order to celebrate their Passover, they killed the true Passover lamb. And the Apostle Paul writes, if they knew, if they knew who he was, they would not have killed the Lord of glory. And St. Bonaventure writes, in order that the church might be taken out of the side of Christ in his deep sleep on the cross, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. That's a quote from Zechariah, which says when our Lord returns the second time, they, the Jewish nation, shall look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. St. Bonaventure says it was divinely ordained that one of the soldiers should pierce his sacred side with a spear and open it. Then forthwith, forthwith there came flowing out blood and water, which was the price of our salvation pouring forth from its mountain source in sooth from the secret places of his heart to give power to the sacraments of the church to bestow the life of grace and to be a saving drink of living waters flowing up to life eternal for those who are already quickened in Christ. Arise then, O soul beloved of Christ, cease not thy vigilance, place there thy lips and drink the waters from the fount of salvation. Beloved, if you have been away from the church, you cannot receive the Eucharist. If you are Catholic and you're living in sin, you must not receive the Eucharist. If you're Catholic and you did not go to church last Sunday, for whatever reason, if you were not, if you didn't go to confession, if you were not excused, you must not receive the Eucharist this Sunday. We have no option but to be in church every Sunday without a dispensation, without a very serious reason such as a serious illness or an accident, something like that. And if you did not go, maybe you were on vacation and you couldn't get to a church, you must not receive the Eucharist this Sunday unless you've been to confession. But there was no church around. You know what? Uh, God did not uh, excuse us from receiving the Eucharist because there's no church around. I, for one, would not go anywhere where there was no church around. I would plan our trip so that we could definitely get to church, have the Eucharist on Sunday, and know that we're in driving distance from a church, even if it's two hours. No one will be excused because there was no church around. No, 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 no. Unless there is no church around. Not because you're on vacation, because you're in the wilderness and there's no church. Uh, that's another matter. Uh, but 
I don't know of such a place in the entire United States where that's the case. I do know of such a place in Russia. I've been in Vladivostok, far east Russia, and there were five priests for an area three times the size of, of Texas, and the priests would get to, get to them, and I went with those priests once a month. That's another matter. That's another matter. But here in the United States, I can't think of outside of sickness, illness, that sort of thing. I cannot think of a, uh, anyone who could not get to Mass. And if you're homebound, beloved, does it suffice for you to watch the Mass on TV, EWTN and others? It does not. It's a good thing to do, but it does not. This is not an electronic uh, Mass. No, you must. I tell you what, you can't get to Mass, but you need to tell your priest and your parish. And I would say, shame on your priest, shame on that parish, if they cannot arrange to bring you Holy Communion on Sundays. I spoke with a woman recently who cannot, nobody will come to her. She can go to Mass, but she needs someone to drive her. No one will drive her, no one will bring her the Eucharist, It is unthinkable to me. It's unthinkable. We are in an age of disbelief, of selfishness, of lack of love, of convenience, and we won't sacrifice for others. Um, Beloved, there's our music for our break. Call in with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Did you know your donation could be matched? If you donate $75 to the Station of the Cross, you could have it doubled. There are many companies that will double employee donations. So when you donate $75, we'll receive $150, helping us make Catholic Radio even stronger. Help the Station of the Cross proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity by checking with your employer today to see if there's an opportunity for your place of employment to double your donation. This could greatly benefit Catholic Radio so that we can share the gospel with more people. May God bless you for your support of the Station of the Cross. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It's still so new for me that we're streaming. It's such a gift to us. It's so fabulous. And so um, our, our mode of operation is that normally I'll speak on something for the first half hour and then take your calls, your texts, and your emails during the second half hour. And the uh, heart of the matter is always the matter of your heart. It never has to be what we're speaking about, but what's on your heart. So... Uh, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And it's streamed live on LifeSite News and on LifeSite News' Facebook page, Station of the Cross's Facebook page, and of course, and on YouTube, um, I think YouTube. Um, and uh, And then... For those of you who are not part of the live streaming, but the radio uh, is the same. If you've been listening on your local radio station or on iCatholicRadio.com, on your computer, on your iPhone, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller, uh, Elaine from Deedon, Massachusetts, I guess, huh? Hi, Elaine. Yes, it's, hi. This is an honor to speak with you, Mother. Thank, Thank you, you so Elaine. much for listening. And I listen to you most every day, so you're doing wonderful work. Your ministry you, is wonderful. One. And I just wanted to let you know that um, our parish in Dedham, Massachusetts, St. Mary of the Assumption um, Church, has you, perpetual Eucharistic adoration now. Um, it started with Corpus, the Feast of Corpus Christi on June 20th, Thursday. That's the Thursday. That's the real feast, correct? The real thing, yes. Good. Yes. Okay. So what we had is a mass. Father Wayne Belchner had a 7 o'clock mass in the evening, uh, and then we processed a few streets in Dedham, Massachusetts, and then Yay. we processed to the St. Joseph Chapel, and now we have, it was in the planning for a few years, um, perpetual Eucharistic adoration. Fabulous. And uh, so this should make you um, a little bit happier now. Oh, it does, (laughs) Elaine. You've done my heart good. I love to hear that. I just love to hear that. God bless you. Uh, Are you Latin or Novus Ordo? I'm uh, both. But, okay, um, but the I church, do, the, the church with Father, is it both? Oh, the, the, the church is Novus Ordo. 
Okay, but now I, I the re- I go for it. No, no, I don't mean. But yes, I understand you personally. But I wanted to bring that out that uh, there's a Novus Auto Church that is reverent and respecting the the um, the Holy Day that actually Pope Urban the Fourth established in the in the twelfth century. I'm so thrilled, or thirteenth century. I think it was year twelve oh four. I'm I'm not sure about that, but. Um, that's why I asked you that. It doesn't have to be a Latin church. There's a wonderful priest of Novus Auto Church who has perpetual adoration now and uh, celebrates Corpus Christi on Thursday and has a procession. I love that, Elaine. That's, that's wonderful. We love him dearly. He's wonderful. He's a Good. wonderful priest. Good. Yes. Keep, and en- so- keep encouraging him. Good. And I'll, I bet you need yes. more adorers. For that chapel, you could never I have do. enough. Uh, okay. I do, and I had it advertised. I have it advertised on Station of the Cross, actually. Wow. Uh, and so yes, yeah, and they're advertising it every day, and so I'm glad because we need adorers. And yes, it's so difficult, especially in the summer. So um, of course, even substitute, you know. So right. Okay, Amen Elaine, too. God bless you for your call. And I'm going to say, whoever is around there in Dedham, Massachusetts, and wants a place to adore our Lord, you go to St. Mary's of the Assumption um, in Dedham, Massachusetts. It's a wonderful thing. God bless you for your call, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you so much for your Thanks. ministry, Mother. Thank you, Take sweetheart. Care. Bye. Bye-bye. We have an email from someone who says, Hello, Mother, I just watched Wednesday's show on modesty. Now, um, Wednesday, today is Friday, that's two days ago, and I pre-recorded that program just for you, fresh, because I knew we'd be uh, flying back from Wisconsin on Wednesday and I wouldn't be able to do the program. And so it it wasn't a flow of topic, um, but it, it was on modesty. And uh, so this one, uh, this uh, writer says, I just watched Wednesday's show on modesty, and it could not have been more timely for me. I was driving to work today thinking, I need to wear dresses and skirts again. It's been ages since I've worn a dress. And the reason is I have, now I'm just reading this and accenting uh, the way that it's written with a capital T-H-E. I have the ugliest legs ever created. Oh, my goodness. I think there's people that would fight with you on that one. Uh, cankles, fat calves. Do you have any words of encouragement for those of us that would like to wear dresses but have intense embarrassment and self-consciousness about our shapes? Oh, you dear soul. And then she says, thank you, Mother, and God bless you and all you do. Of course I have encouragement for you. My goodness, for you to wear pants is awful. It's much more revealing than wearing a dress. You see, people don't know how to dress anymore. I see very heavy women in church. Uh, I'm not I'm not criticizing them for their weight, but they wear tight clothes. And, and you see every bulge and everything, you see their whole body. It's an awful, awful. People don't know how to dress. Wear a dress. Wear something loose and modest and to the ankle or mid-calf. That, I, I wish everyone wore long skirts. Long skirts. You, you should not wear skirts. Skirts to the knees are immodest. 
they should at least be below the knees, mid-calf. They should at least be mid-calf. And if you have fat calves, if you wear a skirt mid-calf or a little below, um, it, you'll take care of that. So wear a long skirt, uh, wear beautiful, modest, loose, nicely fitting, but nothing that hugs your body. And don't wear jerseys. Don't wear jersey knit material because you're going to show off every everything. Don't do that. Wear good materials that, that are flattering and feminine. Okay. There's the music for our second break, beloved. Um, and this is a short one, so we'll be right back. And again, I, I would um, wish to encourage you, if you wish, to, to call in at toll-free or text one 511 5483 or email at mother at This is Father Yatsuk Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from a prayer by St. Ephraim of Syria. O Lord, Master of my life, grant that I may not be infected with the spirit of slothfulness and inquisitiveness, with the spirit of ambition and vain talking. Grant instead to me, your servant, the spirit of purity and of humility, the spirit of patience and neighborly love. For you are blessed now and forever. Amen. Here at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network, we are committed to keeping our donor records up to date. If any recent changes have been made to your payment information, please let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279 and dial extension 104 or visit thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio. St. Jose Maria Escriva said, Earthly goods are not bad, but they are debased when man sets them up as idols. When he adores them, they are ennobled when they are converted into instruments for good, for just and charitable Christian undertakings. We cannot seek after material goods as if they were a treasure. Our treasure is Christ, and all our love and desire must be centered on Him. Is there an old vehicle that it's time to let go of? You can turn it into a donation for Catholic Radio, and it may even qualify as a tax deduction. Consider helping the Station of the Cross by donating your old vehicle. To find out more and to donate, please visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you and the rest of the time 15 to 20 minutes is totally ours. So you're welcome to call in. There's still time. Our lines are wide open at one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have an, a second email here um, from uh, somebody who, a gentleman actually, who writes, Dear Mother, I wanted to thank you for Wednesday's broadcast on modesty. That day I was strongly considering to leave God and fornicate with a beautiful yet immodest young woman that I met. I did not, thanks to you. Well, you don't know how happy that makes me, how grateful I am that God uses us to love and encourage one another. That is wonderful. He says this, I am a traditional Catholic attending the old rite mass, even serving at times, praying the rosary daily, and trying to love God, the Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph a bit more day by day. But as a young single man, being chaste is incredibly difficult. Although I made great progress, thanks be to God, the wicked one often gives me the feeling of missing out. And I'm going to tell you this, dear brother, It doesn't have to come from the wicked one. Your flesh is enough. Someone wrote, flesh will never, self will never cast out self. Your flesh is enough without, without Satan's help. Your flesh is enough. It, it, there's a war in us between the spirit and the flesh, the old man and the new. Um, He says, I just finished reading Preparation for Death by St. Alphonsus Liguori. And let me stop to say we had a, a dear woman yesterday who um, called in, or rather, I think it was a text or an email, and um, she's afraid of death, she's afraid of suffering, and I suggested that she would find online video of Father Ripiger on the preparation for death, but I never even thought of St. Fons uh, uh, Liguori, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori, Um, He has a book titled Preparation for Death. I greatly uh, uh, support and urge everybody to read that book. So he says, um, and because I read Preparation for Death, um, thus I know how foolish it is to choose temporary pleasure over eternal salvation. But it is still very hard for me. The greatest problem I face, Mother, is that despite my efforts to strive for holiness, I am attracted to immodest women. Now, I tell you what, I'm not even going to yet read the rest of his email. Women, if you dress immodestly, and many of you do and you don't know it, but some of you, many of you know it. If you dress immodestly, you are causing the downfall of others. You are causing that. That is selfishness, it is lack of regard for your brothers, for you to dress immodestly uh, to attract others. 
it's it's an it's an awful thing and it's a sin uh, to do that. Okay, you see. In fact, I went to a parish once, Novus Ordo, and there was a woman. I may have told you this story a while back, but she plays tennis in the morning and she comes to mass before tennis and she comes in a short tennis skirt that is as short as short shorts that hardly covers her panties. And she's got a low-cut tank top on top. And that's it. And the priest finally called me and he said, could you do something to help? He's asked other religious sisters and they wouldn't touch it. But I will. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm going to do it. Yes. Um, And so I did. I went to her and she stopped. But I I heard from the priest she's back at it again. I I don't normally go to that parish. It's an absolute... Um, unthinkable lack of any consideration for others. This is a priest that is serving her communion every day in her half-naked state. And she could care less. And there's men in that, that congregation, she could care less. It's their problem, not hers. Well, it is our problem when we cause other people to sin, whether we know it or mean it or not. This gentleman goes on to say, you see, although growing up Catholic in a modern Novus Ordo church, I fell away from the church during puberty. I returned to the church through the beauty of the mass of all times at the age of 26, Deo Gracias. Now at 31, I am still troubled by the consequences of my sinful youth as from a purely physical standpoint, I do not find modest, listen to this, I do not find modest women attractive from a purely physical standpoint. I do not find modest women attractive and seek the companion of immodest women that lead me to sin. You know, some people think I shouldn't be reading this over the air, perhaps. This is so important. And this dear brother that has the courage to write this in an email that I could read it over the air is I I respect you enormously because you, my brother, are not alone. He is speaking for untold numbers of men, women, and shame on you for your immodesty. And to the point that because his of his own sin, uh, he doesn't even want immodest women. I mean, he doesn't want modest women. He's not attracted to them. And he said, I know that my preferences are distorted by all those sinful years and the modern zeitgeist. But despite my change of life and putting God first in everything, my desire for how a woman ought to dress has not changed. I have had various virtuous women approach me, but I am just not physically attracted to them. Now, He says, I wish to change very much, but it seems that my perverted taste of women and to objectify them is deeply ingrained in me. Please pray for me. Now, let me tell you this. Someone who has no control over their passions, over their appetites, who is gluttonous, who has tremendous amount of weight on them, they cannot stay away from food, they can't stop eating, and they eat every. They don't even know what a carrot is or lettuce is. They cannot stop eating, and they eat everything: fries and pies and cake and candy. 
They eat everything that is harmful for them. And if you gave them a healthy meal, uh, fish and vegetables and salad, they'd say, yuck, I'm not eating that stuff, right? They're not attracted to it. They're attracted to the very junk sweets that that are killing them. I think it's the same here, dear brother. It's a similar thing. You're not interested in modest women because there's nothing that attracts you to them. You know that you're not going to please your flesh if you date them. You know that. And, but you're attracted to all the fast food, if I could put it that way. Fast food that is going to kill you. But that's what you crave because that's what you're living on. And that's what your flesh has learned to desire. And as I said, self will never cast out self. It will not. It will, flesh will never say no to itself. Your appetites will never say no. Your will has to beat them into subjection. Your will has to override that. As the Apostle Paul said, um, he beats his body. He says the, the people that erase, win, they race to win a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. And he says, this is a race we're in, a race for eternity. And he says, um, that he beats, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 or 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'd have to look it up. He beats his body into subjection that he may not be disqualified. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take beating your body into subjection. Don't worry about not being attracted to modest women. You get all the, all the distortion, uh, the, the, uh, the immodesty, the filth, the sinfulness, just... Stay away from that. Don't worry about anything else. God will take care of that. Um, oh, I just, oh, he, and I had another thought. I, and, of course, pray to Our Lady for the gift of chastity. Pray to Our Lady for the gift of chastity. Do a 54-day novena to Our Lady to ask her, to beg her to give her, to give you the gift of chastity. And I have one other thing that I just thought of. I've never suggested this to anyone because I've never thought of it before. But you, you receive all these counsels and suggestions. You want to love God. You're doing everything you can to love him. But your flesh has too um, ingrained, as you say, and difficult a pull on you. Well, um, I'm going to make this really crazy suggestion. Because your sin is bringing others to hell. This is extremely serious. You can go to confession, but you don't know that that girl, that immodest girl that you are uh, praying on, uh, can go to confession. Um, I would suggest, this is really crazy, but it came to my mind, I'm going to tell you, Whenever you, if you touch a girl, if you touch a woman, if you really consider um, uh, going out with her, uh, sleeping with her, committing lewd acts with her, I'm going to say this to the world, uh, but it's the most awful thing. Picture that you, just like Jekyll and Hyde used to turn from one creature to another, picture that you are turning in to Satan, to Satan, picture a vampire. And you, at the moment 
that you're going to go through with something, you, like Jekyll and Hyde, you're going to turn into a monster with long fangs, scary face, claws, and the woman that you want to be with, you are going to kill her with your pleasure. And you will utterly destroy that woman. And maybe you won't kill her. Maybe you'll just make sure that she goes to hell. You are going to utterly destroy that woman. Picture yourself becoming a dangerous, ugly monster. Claws, fangs, horrifying features. And you. the minute you touch a woman, that woman, you are destroying her and you will bring her to hell. I, I think if it's that hard for you, you should do that. You should do that. You should picture that. And really live it. Really picture that so that it overwhelms your passion at the moment. Picture it. M- make a mask. Buy a satanic outfit. Do something and put it on you and look in the mirror and, and see how ugly and horrible and destructive and sinful you can become. Never put your hand on a woman, ever. Never put your hand on a woman. Not modest, not immodest, not even if you're dating her. Keep your hands to yourself until the day you ask her to marry you. And that's the first time you can even hold and kiss her. That's it. Not before then. You don't even have the right to tell her you love her until you're going to ask her if she will marry you. If you say, what I do love her, keep it to yourself. Don't be immature. Don't be selfish. Keep it to yourself. Love is a commitment. It's not just a feeling. And the day that you're ready to commit and want to ask her to marry you, that is the time and the first time you can tell her of your love for her. And you will have proved it if you have kept your hands to yourself all this time and never so much as even kissed her. So... I think I'm going to get a few emails that people disagree with me. It, it, you can disagree with me. It's not an issue for me, but it's destroying the world. Listen to how good a heart this man has in wanting to love and follow God and to do everything possible. And yet his passions, because of the sin of his younger life, is, has got a hold on him. And that's what the sin of the younger life does. It does. It stays with you. A man who is a virgin is not going to have, will he be tempted? I I imagine so. He's human. But he's not going to have the struggle that someone who has been promiscuous and had relations outside of marriage will have. So um, you've got the consequence of that. And I suggest you take as drastic measures as possible to never sin again, never entertain being with a woman again. And God will bring you the woman who's going to be your wife. And you will treat her with respect as Christ would treat her. Okay. God bless you, beloved. We will be with you. A blessed feast of the Sacred Heart. Blessed weekend. And we'll speak to you again on Monday. God bless you.